Kelly Sue, you're wearing my favorite shirt. (laughs) What is it? Eat spaghetti to forgetty your (laughs) regretty. Oh my God. Hello, and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal, based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations about big stories. I'm Justin Peniston, creator of worlds and destroyer of deadlines. Indeed, I just beat one yesterday. Uh, As always, (laughs) I am joined by my deep-thinking Popsicle co-host crew. First off, she's not a player. She just crushes a lot. Our very own big pun, writer and humorist, Kelly Sue Milano. (laughs) Yes. Next, you know that people change, but some people never do. And I hope artistic juggernaut Lisa K. Weber never does. Hi. Hi. The sun beats down upon her face and stars fill her dreams. And she is a traveler of both time and space. It's geeky crafter and leftovers evangelist, Claire Thorne. Oh, I do want to travel in space. I just don't want to have to physically do it. I want to do it without having to like, you know, have G-forces. <laughs> without having to have G-forces. Yeah. Finally, can we get some fries with that shake shake booty? If looks could kill, he would be an Uzi. It's producer and creative jack of all trades, Philip Kelly. Hi, good morning. I have I have my mom's ass. I'm thankful for that. <laughs> you know, I noticed that. I noticed that you have your mom's ass. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, wow. Justin. We need that that one for Philip. We need that one written down so that we can yeah. refer to it repeatedly. Oh, because I had to, I wrote it in the document then cut it out because i didn't want anyone to read it ahead of time yeah but then put it put it in put it in so that we can see it and remember it because i need to like yeah i, I need indeed. a visual claire, and an odd claire, audio claire will you cross stitch it for phil sweet <laughs> jesus yes i can do that in like an hour that yes oh my god, oh my god. i think we should cross stitch every one of these intros today. Yeah. Yeah, i'm seriously. i'm on that now, Way to before, go, we, Justin. before we dive into cross-stitch or discussion of the episode to this week, Lisa and Philip will take us to a quick recap of Savoureux, the uh, season finale of Hannibal's first season. Lisa and Philip, take it away. Tis the episode where the stag finally becomes a man. We open with Will in the midst of another delusion, walking through the woods and coming upon the raven stag. He shoots it, and as he follows the blood trail, realizes the stag now takes the shape of a man with antlers and glowing eyes. He also bears a striking resemblance to someone else on this creepy-ass show. Uh, Will awakes in his bedroom, heads to hydrate himself, and doesn't get more than a few gulps down before he vomits an ear into the sink. Mondays, right? Unfortunately, Will still thinks Hannibal is the only one he can trust and calls him to tell him he took Abigail to Minnesota. Of course, Hannibal gets Jack involved and Will is now on the other side of the forensics team. Alana learns the news of Will and understandably loses her shit. She pushes for more tests and in so doing gets her own view of Will's clock. 
Finally, someone lucid who can see Will is not okay. Sadly, it's too late. He's been arrested for the murder of Abigail Hobbs and the rest of the Minnesota strike killings. Will is being carted off in the paddy wagon. However, he is still suffering from that debilitating encephalitis and breaks his own thumb to free himself from the handcuffs and his guards. He escapes! To Hannibal's office. As he looms like an emo ghost in Hannibal's balcony library, he shares that he could buy losing time and kill, killing, killing Abigail. But when Jack began throwing the copycat murders at him, he knew he was being set up. There's only one way to settle it. He has to return to the scene of the crime and Will Graham himself. It is here that he sees the person framing him is actually Hannibal. Jack rushes in on suspicion from Dr. Dumarie, Dr. Dumarie, that Will is out for Hannibal and shoots Will in the shoulder in an exact replica of Will shooting uh, Garrett Jacob Hobbs. <laughs> Hannibal becomes the stag. Hannibal performs some truly psychotic soft shoot to Jack over Will's hospital bedside and some more over a fancy dinner of veal served to Bedelia. She very eloquently tells him to get his shit together. The episode and the season closes on a shot of Will Graham inside high security lockup. He stares through his prison bars and delivers us a gorgeous hello, Dr. Lecter. Before we end on Hannibal, eyes gleaming, staring at Will and breaking into a satisfied, sadistic smile. Oh, that's right. Hannibal Lecter is the bad guy. An explosive ending to the first season. Um, <laughs> Minus actual explosions, but I mean, there might have well have been. I felt for myself uh, that this episode, really upon watching it again for like the fifth or sixth time last night, I really, really felt this episode dug into Hannibal in some ways that I really dug. Um, mm -hmm. And if there's one thing that we can, we can say for sure about Hannibal, it's that he's a man who pays attention to the details. Uh, this episode is kind of a wrapping paper for him. He gift wraps Will for the FBI. The remains of the copycat victims and the fishing lures, uh, the corrected clock illustration. This was all meticulously planned and carried out just like one of Hannibal's dinner parties. But do you feel, did Hannibal really earn that self-satisfied smile at the end? Did he, I mean, we've said several times over the course of the season that we think Hannibal is trying to turn Will into a killer. Did he succeed? Was Will prepared to kill Hannibal and is, is that a success for Hannibal or do we need more murderous intent in Will for that to happen because let's be honest Will's already killed somebody at the beginning of the season um, mm. did Hannibal really get what he wanted or are any of Hannibal's emotional reactions trustworthy at all he certainly sheds tears with Dr. Dumarnier that have to come off his crocodile tears right i mean he's not crying over abigail hobbs is he mm -hmm. or maybe he is maybe he didn't want to kill her i don't know um are these just more versions of his person suit and uh big pun let's start with you <laughs> oh my god that's so awesome <laughs> um i think that I was when I was watching the this episode again, I was I was drawing so many parallels between this particular episode and that movie The Cell, where she goes into the serial killer's mind, right? And everything is like compartmentalized. Like there's definitely love 
that this psychotic serial killer has, but it's layered and buried under all of this weird psychotic shit. So I felt like his tears may have been genuine, but I don't think that he knows how to have them genuinely. You know, I think it was very like, it's appropriate for me to feel sad about Abigail. So I guess I'll just do that. But I think he actually, you know, I think he actually may be feeling ways about watching Will's decline, even though he secretly loves it, you know? <laughs> um, like, I don't know, that, that, was, that was how it struck me. Um, because nothing about Hannibal Lecter is, is straightforward or expected or, you know, linear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except I think that's that ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the most important thing about dissecting what Hannibal's intentions are is that it's not linear and that he's okay. He's in fact he works better when it's not linear. And I but I absolutely think that he is still in the midst of his game. He's still, and, and, the, and, and having Will be locked up and behind bars and Abigail gone and, and all of this that's, you know, where we are right now is, was one acceptable possible permutation of, of getting from point A to point Z because, and you can't say point A to point B <laughs> with Hannibal, yeah. you know, like it's, it really is an A to Z and we are going to hit every freaking letter on the, you know, on the journey. Um, so I think that he is, he is very satisfied with where he's, he's landed with Will and that his intent for Will is not, yeah, to get him to commit a murder. I, I don't think Hannibal questions Will's ability to kill. I think he, you know, he obviously questions his ability to acknowledge the, in, the joy of, of that act. And, mm. and I, you know, I think he thinks that they've got quite a journey to, to get there. Um, it, yeah, it's very, the facial acting by Mads Mikkelsen in this episode is just, it, it, I can't even really describe it in places. And, and it, the, the scene where he's crying into Moray's mm. office is fascinating because you, I think both things are true at the same time. I think he is feeling some honest emotions about like, okay, he's, he's not going to get that, you know, idyllic little family set up that I think he thought he had a small chance probably of, of achieving. So he is, he does feel emotions about it, but I think a large percentage of that performance in Maurier's office is literally just practicing how to express that outwardly um because later we see him you know we see more tears from him i think later <laughs> while he's you know at the end of the the episode with will you know i think he practices these things because there's no reason there's absolutely no reason for him to do it with Maurier. we i think it's clear at this point that he is not keeping anything back for, she she has no illusions about who or what he is. I don't and know. If, he, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I think that she, I think that she is making 
an assumption. I don't know if he's like, I think that it's one of those things like, you know, we kind of talked about in the last episode, he doesn't say out loud to people who he is or what he's done. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that she has inferred through her experiences with him plenty. And so, and Um, I, she may not have like the full story though, but I think she has, she has her suspicions And I think he's fully aware the extent to which she understands that his crying in front of her is not a, you know, I think, I think he uses her. Absolutely. Why does he have her? Why does he keep her? I think he uses her as a sounding board for doing exactly what he's doing in that scene, which is practicing that emotion, taking Mm -hmm. the root of an emotion and practicing it to, you know, enhance his human suit. Mm. but all of that was very um, fascinating it's just fascinating yeah I, I, yeah I find myself wondering exactly how much she knows um and, and the thing that makes this that wonder so tantalizing to me or you know the fact that she refuses to come to his house for dinner mm-hmm. and but when he brings ha- dinner to her she eats and is she eating because she doesn't know or is she eating because she doesn't feel like she has a choice or is she participating? Like it's really hard mm-hmm. to tell because she, she certainly gives him a slightly co-conspiratorial smile at the end of that scene when they're eating mm-hmm. dinner, you know, yeah. when she's warning him, they're starting to catch on to your pattern, you know? Right. Um, and the fact that she even says you have a pattern for them to catch on to mm-hmm. means that there's some measure of culpability but it's impossible right. to know how much exactly, you know? Right. And right. it's so yeah. deliciously intriguing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and she's also, it's, I think, especially in that scene, um, Gillian Anderson's performance is so remarkable because she's like perfected the non, like the eye roll without an eye roll <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> reaction to him, uh-huh. where she's just like, is this dude for real right now? all right i i (laughs) much as i love bedelia want to bring it back to our core duo hannibal and will um because i think that i mean as far as like this question of like is he satisfied um with you know where things have ended at the end of this season i think Mm. absolutely he is and i think that it's like um I think that, you know, he's, he had to, you know, do some thinking on his toes, but he's familiar with doing that. It's all comfortable to him, it seems. And, you know, yet again, it worked. And I think that he is, I think that he is getting what he wants out of Will. I mean, when, like I noted that it was like when Will threw up the ear, (laughs) um, (laughs) he didn't call Jack he called Hannibal and um I like I think that it's it's got to be greatly satisfying to Hannibal that he's the first call when Will throws up an ear (laughs) that he's the that he has become the person Will trusts the most at this point um and then in the end even in that in that scene in Minnesota where um you know, Will's got it figured out now. 
And let's also mm-hmm. point out that like Will accused Jack first. Like when he realized he was being framed, the first person he accused was Jack. Uh-huh. What, a, um, what a great scene that was too, with the stag yeah. reflected in the mirror and then yeah. Jack walking in and assuming the same position. Oh, oh yeah. So it's like Hannibal did this great job of like poisoning Will's mind against Jack. And, um, mm-hmm. and then in the end he says, he says to Will, you're alone because you're unique. And I felt like that was like his first kind of like overtures to Will of like, oh. um, you can like of Hannibal being like, I'm going to make a safe space for you. Even if it's in prison, I'm going to make yeah. a safe little space for you and me. Mm-hmm. And I think that he has got it all set up when he walks that last, that final scene where he walks into the, you know, corridor in the state hospital, the infamous corridor and he closes his eyes and like listens to his like head opera. <laughs> and it's like, it's like he's finding comfort in this place and comfort in what he has what he has um created in this space so yeah i think he's very satisfied it certainly does come off like he's savoring a delicious meal in that moment when he first arrives there and i was really that that really jumped out at me in this because i'd always watched this episode feeling like but he didn't get what he wanted. You know, he didn't get what he wanted. Will hadn't uh, killed anybody, but, and I'm realizing that, no, he feels like he did get what he wanted. You know, that satisfaction has to be genuine. Philly cheesesteak. I mean, yeah, he was, he was literally about to pull the gun, pull the, the trigger on Hannibal. I think that was, uh, I think Hannibal would have went down. I think Hannibal would have been satisfied if he had been killed in that moment too. I think, you know what I mean? I, I think getting Will to pull yeah. that trigger was uh, uh, part of the game. Um, so yeah, I, I think Hannibal is very satisfied. Uh, as far as um, his sort of emotional reaction, I, I think as I, I kind of agree with Kelly Sue. The normally Claire, I, I I do I do agree with you, Claire, that I think he goes in there to play the part of the patient most often, so that he can see, witness her to see how he has to react, be as a therapist, but also then to be able to practice that. But I think in this moment, he looks genuinely confused by his tears like he he looks like like a lizard that's like caught in a trap almost his eyes are just kind of shifting around they're wide and he looks genuinely i I don't like he he's never really experienced what he's going through in that moment and he doesn't know how to process it properly that's how all that read to me um because he doesn't get to have his murder baby i think he wanted a murder baby (laughs) um uh, uh that's that's definitely what he wanted he wanted to turn her into a murder baby like he's turning will into a you know, a murder husband. Um, Stay tuned uh, for next season. Yeah, murder yeah, right? baby. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, everything else has kind of been touched upon that I might have wanted to say. So, uh, you know, the, obviously the inversion of the Silence of the Lambs was pretty awesome at the end. Uh, nicely done. Um, <laughs> as we've talked about, that this is inverting more than it is uh, playing into kind of story elements that we've seen before so mads does everything but lick his lips in that final scene (laughs) which is probably good because i probably would have just 
yeah. dissolved mm-hmm. into I don't know what, <laughs> if that had happened. And how twisted is that? Oh my God. Just a smile, just getting a smile was it just like they've created a show where an actor smiling in one scene can just, you know, kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. It's, I mean, the performances are devastating and the direction mm-hmm. is meticulous mm-hmm. because okay. that takes a lot to decide as a director, I think, you know, I'm going to sell this visually. You know, mm-hmm. this, this is, you know, my actor has to give me this smile of satisfaction that says, that speaks so many volumes about what's gone on here. Well, and think, um, think about if I can just for a moment, because this was very striking to me, which this is probably my third or fourth watching of this episode as well. It was striking to me the extent to which we don't have any new visuals in this episode. There's no external crime scene where we're seeing new things or new people. We're almost exclusively in, in visual scapes that are known to us. And even then they're very limited in their, you know, how much movement and, and variation that we get. So it's, it struck me that, you know, like we, they really, with this show, primed us with the, you know, okay, we have this crime scene in the episodes and we have this expectation of seeing gory things, but in this episode, it's all internally. They take all of that and bring it internal into Will's mind. And all we get are these recaps in that tarred statuette kind of, you know, visual of prior things that we've seen. Um, and that on paper sounds like, you know, kind of a death nail to an episode. Like, why would you bore your audience with, with the same visuals over and over and over again? And it, I think it's so deliberate and so well done and brings us that feeling of being so inside will in this episode. It's just so specifically great. I mean, this episode really does do some recapping. Even Will's escape from the ambulance is a process that we've seen yeah. before. Again, you know? why do you do that job? Why are you one of the guys who gets into the thing, <laughs> the transport? Yeah. Oh. Well, at least those guys didn't get killed. So Yeah, you know, yeah I guess, but still. So, you know, Will, Will has, you know, four big relationships in this show with the other cast with the other main cast members you know mm-hmm. um and all of those relationships are put through a, a bit of a ringer in this episode you know i mean jack is will's trusted boss mentor slash leader you know uh beverly the co-worker that becomes a friend and alana the would-be lover and all of mm-hmm. those situations are now they're all like drum heads that have been struck, you know, and they're all vibrating and, you know, and Hannibal in his way is sort of all fills all three of these roles. And maybe that's the point. Maybe Hannibal is, you know, oozing into those three roles, you know, and squeezing out, you know, the things that came before. Um, This is really a predictive question for me. And I guess it aims particularly at Phil. Um, but how does this episode reshape these relationships? 
is it possible to return for any of these people to return to the status quo? Um, and how are you feeling going forward? I mean, I, I don't think, uh, you know, obviously they're not going to return to the status quo right away in season two. That's, uh, I think that's a long-term thing if that's going to happen. Um, but uh, one, I'm, I'm happy that Beverly for the moment is still alive, though I, she's the one I fear for the most as far as still being in the weeds, uh, because I, I think she's, um, I think she's a little more on, on Will's side than the other ones at this point, even. I think she still doesn't quite believe what's happening, like, like the others have come to believe. Um, what so makes that, you say that? Uh, they're seen together. I, I felt like uh, she was working through it with Will as opposed to working through it without Will. Like everybody else was off on their own, kind of fig okay. figuring things out on their own. Like, oh, this Will is doing this, Will is doing that. And she was there with Will. Dude, like what's going on here? Because this, is, this isn't you. She was confronting Will about this and, and forcing him to kind of think it through and think about it. I, this is very different than how everybody else is handling it. It was um, also, the, it was the only time like Will was able to talk to, to any of those three people. Yeah, yeah. Jack, Beverly, Alana, without the sense that they were being watched. Mm -hmm. yeah like it could be yeah. like a real human a real one -on -one. interaction right yeah. right and so I, yeah. I would dare say will also had the most seemingly genuine emotional reactions in that scene as well yeah yeah so i don't think she's out of the weeds yet as far as maybe one of the characters that is going to continue to be on his side but also puts her in danger um so that's interesting to me i, I do think uh, I do think they're probably going to play into the element that uh, Silence of the Lambs did, where he's going to be on the other side of the um, bar is helping them solve crimes, uh, at least through part of season two. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that would be interesting to explore a little bit, um, kind of continue that inversion. But, um, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I don't even completely believe that Abigail Hobbs is dead until I see a body. So uh, it's all very interesting to me where we're at well i mean we had the veal philip so i don't yeah. know that well that's very true that's <laughs> maybe we have and there's a lot it's of blood a young, there's a lot a... of blood there there was a lot of blood there there's <laughs> a lot of blood yeah. there it's hard to many yeah. many drops i never made that connection before claire that it's like when he's serving veal the thought is that oh, he's serving abigail i never and thought of that yeah i think where the audience is absolutely supposed to go oh yeah because he they go on and on about the youth of the the you know how yeah. veal is controversial and and it's a young young i forget what but the not, line is but also not so young exactly not, right but also not so young but not so young which right. is just such an apt description <laughs> abigail it's amazing <laughs> Oh my God. I, I think we get, I think the scene between Alana and Will where he, he uh, brings up their romantic, you know, his romantic overture and, and she's like, well, they didn't know, but now they do. <laughs> it's a little eye roll of like, idiot. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think if there's anything that we can say for certain, I think that there is no return to a romantic relationship, at least the, the one that they very brief, briefly attempted to, to want. <laughs> like, I don't even think they got past that point, right? Of just like, oh, we, we kind of feel like we want to maybe have this connection. Um, and I think that's, 
very, you know, and they say it themselves, you know, that, that was, it's, yeah, that's done. We've moved well past that, um, at this point. I, I love, I did. I like, I, I mean, like I, I loved Alana's, I loved, I loved Alana in this episode. Yeah. Like yeah. Me too. Absolutely. everything that she did, every reaction she had, the screaming in the car, like, Oh yeah. And normally I don't like that, but that. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Well, yeah. the fact that you didn't and, hear it, it was like in slow motion and it was silent. And yeah. so it was really just about like, it was really just kind of about like basking in this moment. <laughs> well, and the, and the um, way it's framed is she's in Jack's office. And I, I also love in that scene, her telling Jack to shut up, just stop talking. Just yeah, yeah. like you, there's, there's nothing you can tell me right here that is going to, you know, abso- absolve you in my mind. But then they both come to, you know, they kind of end that conversation with you know, kind of a, 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 a mutual acknowledgement of, okay, like we both, We've both affected, you know, the badly. We've we've both been bad for Will um, in all of these circumstances. Yeah, they're both um, but the, kind of they're both expressing their guilt. Yeah, it was interesting in to me ways. that they frame her being in the car by herself and screaming with her being in Jack's office, and then right after that, she's back in talking to Will, and so the the what you're left to kind of assume is that she just had to go out to her car. <laughs> and scream for a little while and then go back in and and but when I'll point out at at that moment like when she goes back to him I'll point out one of my two favorite will lines in that episode where she was like I was screaming and he's like I could use a good scream I can feel one perched under my chin and then goes on to say that if he starts he doesn't know if he'll be able to stop and I'm like will (laughs) <laughs> oh will my heart, <laughs> my heart. I, I really Poetry. felt carolyn davernas's per, performance here i mean i feel her telling jack to shut up with tears in her eyes um i feel her freak out in the car and then she i mean she it's so appropriate that she was delivering these lines because when she said i don't feel like i dodged a bullet I feel wounded, like I felt wounded by that delivery, like that yeah. cut, you know, and that yeah. cut deep. I really felt that, you know, and I was like, damn. And yeah. then, cause that was one of those moments where it all comes together, the writing, the performance, the direction, all just freaking, ah, uh, ah, uh, so good. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, Lawrence Fishburne probably doesn't get enough props really as many as he deserves. And, you know, I think we're so used to him just doing good work that you you kind of let it go. Uh-huh. Um, because the look of guilt on his face when she tells him to shut up, you know, is so believable. Like, you know, he's like, he's like, I know I did this. And I really, again, it was sort of delicious to see <laughs> Jack and Alana wanting not to be responsible for this. And they kind of come together in the, how did Hannibal not catch this? You know, well, Hannibal was fooled too. So if Hannibal was fooled, it's okay for us to have been fooled, you know? And that was really, uh, Yeah. So <laughs> I have a, I had a new, um, 
Mm, I guess it's not really, well, um, whatever. A new realization watching this episode about Hannibal as a character and what, you know, sets him apart from everybody else in the show. And, you know, so much of it is like the degree to which he's able to control so many people, places and things. And in this episode, um, you know, we're seeing a bunch of people who are dealing with the consequences of not acting on things that they intuitively knew were going on. You know, like Jack was like, I'm not going to do the thing that I know I should do because my agenda or Alana being like, I knew that this, I should have pushed harder and I didn't or whatever, right? Or even Will, Will knowing like something's not right and not having the mental capacity to, to go with it. Um, and so much of that is like, well, I wanna stay in control. And the difference with Hannibal is that he's able to control because he isn't freaked out by the uncertainty of what happens when he's not in control. You know, he lives right on the edge of this could work or this couldn't work. Let's Maybe see what I'll happens. Maybe I'll get caught this time. Let's see what yeah. happens. I'm like, curious he as to is what exhilarated. will happen. Yeah. Yeah, he's exhilarated by that where the rest of the non-psychotic people are like, that's bad. <laughs> you know, it's bad to be in that space where it's like, well, let's just see what happens. It's like uncertainty at the FBI is bad. I mean, that's the whole conversation Beverly has with Will. Mm -hmm. The evidence is how we get certain, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, Hannibal lives in this gray area, which is why he's able to do all of this fucking insane shit. <laughs> Yeah. The the scene with riding so the waves, really man. Highlighted. Yeah. Yeah. It highlighted that for me. Like that's why he's always cool as a fucking cucumber. Because he's like, either way, I kind of win. Yeah. The scene with Alana and Jack also highlighted for me how skillfully this show is as a procedural, as a crime procedural. Because we're at the end of the this first season. And in this episode, more than any other episode, we're dancing on that line of people not knowing, not figuring it out, but being freakishly close to figuring it out, right? So when, when Jack and Alana are talking about, you know, and as the audience, because we know we feel the, 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 the tremors in that scene as Jack's saying, but you brought Hannibal in and, and he's supposed to, you know, they just come so close to you, you feeling like they you could just flip if they just keep thinking this thought, you know, just a little bit farther down the track of where this is taking them, that they will, they will, you know, flip over into understanding. And of course it's will, because he, you know, intuits things better than them, you know, who's going to get there first, but for a show to straddle that fence pose, that fence so, so well, and not give us the feeling that the characters who are still not cluing in are stupid. It's such a rare thing in these kinds of shows. And it, the writing on it is just so, you know, the map that they lay out for these characters to, to follow is just so really well done in that regard. Well, mm -hmm. our map leads us to think that perhaps it is time for a break. 
-hmm. And so we have come to that point where we will pause for a few messages uh, before returning to discuss a little bit more about Savara. And we're back. We're all broken. We've all taken our little, stretched our legs and moistened the vocal cords. And so now let's talk, finally in this episode, about Will. Will has figured it all out. Will knows that Hannibal Lecter is at least the copycat, if not the Chesapeake River. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raven Stag, which has heretofore represented the copycat, is now reshaped in a way that represents Hannibal as well. You know, this weird, you know, mockery of Hannibal's face. Um, What do you make of Will now? Will Will be the same going forward? Is Will now a man capable of committing murder? Not just shooting someone, but committing murder. And if he is now, a killer in his heart, if not an actual deed. Is that something he can come back from? I think it's something he will continue to struggle with. Because he spent the whole season struggling with it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Killed someone right off the bat and then was like, that felt strangely good. <laughs> Does that make me a bad person? Um and you know well and he also looking at it from this point to what you're saying lisa i think that you know will will doesn't have the tactical training he didn't qualify for that at the fbi because of his instability so it's a big deal for i mean in in for all intents and purposes a civilian to discharge a weapon and kill someone. And I think that that was Hannibal's first in. But he was a cop Was the though, trauma right? of that experience, right? But he doesn't, don't they talk about how he had never killed anyone before? Sure, sure, yeah, he never killed he anyone. Wasn't but... like, like he wasn't like field uh, approved. I assu- he well, wasn't he wasn't field approved for the FBI, but he was a cop. Right. And I assumed was he, he had firearm training. Oh, well in that sense, we do see him on a qualifying range. So then shooting is that <laughs> trauma. I think the trauma of actually killing someone, which was very real for Will, and he's dealing with that for you know a majority of those early episodes, I think was the initial um, opening of the door for Hannibal to be like, I can really get in there now and do my work. And Maybe. I mean, like, you know, we, we end on Will standing in the place a killer stands like physically standing where a killer stands and it's like then you start to wonder like you know if everybody already thinks I'm a killer should I just go ahead and be one (laughs) (laughs) yeah what do you think Justin you look you have a quizzical brow no no I I keep I, I have been rolling this around as I watched it you know because you know, this episode has such a great framing sequence, it, you know, that began with the shooting of Garrett Jacob Hobbs and Garrett mm-hmm. Jacob Hobbs telling Will, asking him, see, do you see? Mm-hmm. And now it happens again, you know, Will 
in the same spot where Garrett Jacob Hobbs was, ends up in that same corner and mm-hmm. asking that same question. Now, do you see, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I wonder, I find myself wondering if Garrett Jacob Hobbs knew that Hannibal, who Hannibal was in that moment. And that's why he's saying, see, you know, um, it's just so, it's so intriguing to me. I, it's weird because I've, I've watched the entire series and yeah, I'm still find myself open to this question and still exploring it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and man, do I want a fourth season of this show. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Fuller. I don't, I don't, I don't make think it happen. Yeah, I don't think we've seen Will yet grapple with the question of killing in in a condition where he's in any kind of control about that thought process. Mm-hmm. I, I think we see him very much emotionally. I mean, all of the times that we see him in the field, almost he is, you know, just you can kind of gauge it by his breathing. And that's what, you know, Hugh Dancy is just so good at that. You know, like in the first scene of, of this episode, when he wakes up or the, the last episode, when he wakes up and is, uh, you know, breathing, hyperventilating yet again, as he's waking up from dreams and, and he's Sweats. so good at it. But yeah, we, I don't think we see his aspect and him feeling in control until the very, last scene, ironically, in the prison cell when he gets up and walks to the bars. I think that's the first moment where we really get a, okay, here's here's a Will who is mentally put together and ready to grapple and and deal with and, and meet Hannibal. They meet face to face and it feels like for the first time that he's really able to have a handle on things. Mm-hmm. So I can trust maybe going forward now what he thinks about himself and what he says about himself in terms of, of who he is and what he does and, and what it what the true nature of his abilities and mental um, landscape is. Well, he's been mm-hmm. physically breaking down for two thirds of the season. You know, mm-hmm. he's been dealing with symptoms of encephalitis maybe since episode three or four um the first time he really starts having really crazy nightmares and night sweats you know like i I always assume i assumed in rewatching, you know okay this is his first touch of you know of the encephalitis acting up you know and it was he's just become i guess because hearing what you just said claire you know, and I asked the question, is he now a man willing to commit murder? And now I see in him, when I hadn't looked at it quite this way before, but in that final shot, I because he has such an emotionless affect when he says, hello, Dr. Lecter, you know, and it's so tightly controlled, though. And in that moment, he felt more like Hannibal Lecter to me because it felt like he was responding from his cerebellum instead of his cerebrum you know that it was his lizard brain and not his you know higher function well you can imagine what he's doing in that prison he's trying to get into hannibal's head now that he knows who hannibal is like he's using his empathic powers to 
figure out what to do next. And part of that is coming to understand who Hannibal is exactly and how he works. Uh, and I, I see that's that will doing that in that moment. Like he's preparing himself. He's he's really preparing himself for that. I think. See the thing yeah, about it kind is, of like trying to predict the next moves and figuring yeah. out what he should so, do to get out yeah. by by yeah. like oh, yeah. by by embodying you know the brain space of Hannibal and asking what would Hannibal do, um, and you know as he gets more and more into that headspace, he he. We'll get closer and closer to Hannibal the way he did to Garrett Jacob Hobbs, where it's like he'll start identifying with Hannibal. And I, I think that if he's sitting here plotting and trying to get into Hannibal's brain, the thing about Will's quote unquote powers is that he requires evidence from which to extrapolate. Yeah. And Will is still missing a lot of evidence. You know, I mean, does Will even know? Like I asked, you know, does he know that Hannibal is the copycat? Kid? I mean, the Chesapeake Ripper. Like he knows Hannibal is the copycat, but I don't think they've ever made the connection that the copycat and the Chesapeake Ripper are one and the same. And, you know, the murders that he commits as the copycat, he's not really eating them, is he? Um, well, yeah, because I mean, he took uh, well, he, he took, took Cassie Boyle's lungs. lungs. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and certainly chopped them up. <laughs> it's yeah. I don't know, like I don't know if he names. knows that Hannibal is a cannibal. <laughs> I love that rhyme. I, I feel like that's where the name came from, and I yeah, likely <laughs> it has to be. Get Thomas Harris on the phone. Right. <laughs> um. I don't know. Will is maybe in this moment going into season two, I think Will, if nothing else, feels like an actual peer to Hannibal in a way that he didn't before now. You know, he, mm-hmm. fe- he appears less the victim and more the adversary, which is, I think, a great evolution of their relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's goodness well we'll just see what happens in episode two and season two i guess and see how that unfolds um because you know can't talk too much about that without spoiling the philly cheesesteak and no one likes a spoiled philly cheesesteak no, no. so um you know claire rightly pointed out that this episode doesn't really have you know it doesn't have a, a body it doesn't have, there's no murders committed in this episode per se, you know, unless you count mm-hmm. the ear. And yet, we will not sacrifice our time-honored and beloved segment, Exquisite Corpse. There is an art to murder in this show. And we are going to do a little amateur sleuthing, a little amateur analysis, a little, you know, a little je ne sais quoi. And nobody's better for je ne sais quoi. Then big pun, big pun. Um, okay, so there is not a physical 
murder in this episode. There is no classic murder tableau as we've come to know it. But there is um, there is still an exquisite corpse. It just isn't physical. And the exquisite corpse of this episode is, of course, Will Graham, as we've come to know him throughout this season. Um, by the end of this episode, especially um, the final scene where Will is on the other side of these bars, he knows how he got there. He is staring at now what was a trusted friend and has become an adversary. He says, hello, Dr. Lecter, and Hannibal recognizes uh, Will's sort of knowing in that moment, like, okay, <laughs> now we're on, we're in the next chapter of Hannibal and Will now, right? And it made me think so much about what it means to experience an ego death, which is kind of what we witness Will going through this entire season. And it the culmination really is this episode where it's like, he surrenders to the fact that he, this is, this is kind of the end. He's not fighting anymore. I mean, there definitely is a sense of self-surrender in all of the scenes that Will is in. He's not fighting. You know, he does escape the paddy wagon, but at that point, even this is a, you know, this is a man who is like, you accepted my fate. And at least in Jungian psychology, where they talk about it being a, a, like a psychic death, it is the end of your sort of like subjective relationship with your identity alongside reality. And it was beautiful to watch that all unfold throughout this entire season alongside obviously all of these other murders. Um, but if we're talking about it in terms of the hero's journey, and I think Will Graham is definitely our hero in this story, he's going through this sort of psycho murdery rite of passage where his separate self is like dissolving and he's starting to merge with this greater force that's at play in his life that's coming through this body of Hannibal Lecter. Mm. I love it so much. Mm. It's so funny because when you start talking about hero's journey, like mm -hmm. it's so this is really great craftsmanship because you take both the season as a story broken into three acts, but then you mm -hmm. take the series as something broken into three acts and in yeah. terms of the series this is the moment for this ending is the moment where will is taking up the he's taking up the challenge i have mm -hmm. to my quest is to defeat hannibal lecter you know yeah. so it's like we're in, in that sense we're at the end of the first act mm -hmm. you know but in the very yeah. in another very real sense <laughs> you know yeah. this is the end of a story you know it's really Ah, oh, God. Well, and how fascinating it is that going back to the, the hero's journey, that the mentor arrives, but the mentor is also the bad guy. I love it. I love that. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. So Will Graham is our exquisite corpse. And he is exquisite. 
Oh, that's so beautiful. I love it, Kelly Sue. <laughs> <laughs> he may be physically alive. But well uh, done. You know. Well done yeah. indeed. You know, yeah. uh, and, and a previous um in a previous uh, episode of this, Kelly, so you, you were talking about Hannibal Lecter ascending beyond just trivial matters of life and death, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think Will Graham has, is at the beginning of that ascension to match Hannibal in, in that sort of same sort of way? Totally. And yeah, I think that, I that, that is, too. I think that that is part of Hannibal's endgame. Sure is that is his you know because even we, we we talk about this all the time when we've talked about you know psychopathy and all of these things where oftentimes at the root of these violent acts is a desire for connection mm -hmm. um and i think that that is so at play in hannibal i think that he just um doesn't think he just rarely finds somebody that he deems is worthy to connect with. I think that he sees that and will, and he doesn't want to just connect. He wants to like merge. Hmm. And this is phase one complete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he, yes. he's, he's developed and open enough emotionally um, that he recognizes that he doesn't just want to connect by himself to Will. He wants the reciprocity of Will connecting with him. And yeah. I think that's a very important thing to know, know about Hannibal as a particular kind of psychopath, that he is mm. not, he is not incapable of wanting and understanding what it is for another person to connect to him mm. as opposed to just the purely narcissistic act of, of connecting. I want to be in you being, but not seeing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to get inside your face. He's yeah. yeah. He's not just seeing them as an object that he has actions towards, but he's, he is seeing will and, and wanting a relationship that includes Will's. Yeah, like, like honest, reciprocal. Yeah, honest and willing. Uh, willing. Yeah. Big um, fun. He, <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Not a player, I just pun a lot. All I hope for is a member of this podcast group is just feeding Kelly Sue things that she can see I've, I'm, and i'm feeding her right now uh -huh. i'm feeding her uh things to <laughs> make puns from anyway. oh hmm. well <laughs> i think i need claire to stop feeding kelly sue <laughs> but maybe feed our listeners because before we wrap all this up we want to leave you with something else to enjoy if you enjoyed this season and this episode of Hannibal, uh, we'd like to leave you with something else that you might enjoy, something else to check out. Um, and this week it's Claire's turn. So Claire, yes. what have you got for us and our listeners? Um, well, when I think about television shows with bad 
people <laughs> to root for. Um, and there, we have had plenty of them. We've had the breaking bads and the, you know, just there are so many, uh, when I think of those kinds of characters in television series, um, I think only second only to Hannibal, um, the series that I love the most is the Americans. Um, the Americans might be one of the most skillfully wrought television television series in terms of just absolutely stellar writing and acting. Um, and it's creation of these two characters who are played by Matthew Reese and um, Carrie Russell, um, who play Russian spies um, living in America and having a full, you know, life and family and jobs and, and all of these things while um, living double lives as spies is just, oh, it's such a flawlessly done television series. And there are so many great wigs in this series. <laughs> I, so I just, I just really need to call that out because you know, you can have television shows that try to show someone like a younger version of a character and I'm calling out you arrow, um, that just employ horrible hair and wigs for men. Um, and in the Americans, Matthew Reese, I, I, you can't even count how many wigs this man wears over the course of his portrayal of this role. And they're all just spot on, beautiful, perfect, flawless. That alone is worthwhile. Um, but no, it is, it is such a complex story of two people who are doing horrible, horrible, horrible things. And you have such a deep and complex portrayal of their emotional lives and their conflicts and consequences and repercussions and just such a great show. So well done. How that show didn't win more Emmys than it, that it did. I mean, I, I think Matthew Reese won quite a few, but still it just deserved more. And Margaret Martindale is in it as well. So excellent, excellent recommendation. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode and to the end of Hannibal's first season. Join us next week when we, uh, Go over this first season in detail. Maybe make some connections and tease Phil uh, about what is yet to come in season two in two weeks. Um, and don't forget, if you're enjoying uh, Murder Husbands, to check out our other ongoing show. That episode was uh, where we are putting the finishing touches in the first season of Why the Last Man. And we'll be picking up something else soon. Stay tuned to the space for more hints. Um... You can always help us out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving nice comments about us uh, on the social medias. Uh, follow us at Popsicle Pod on all social media pop platforms, or sign up for our newsletter at popsiclepod.com for upcoming and ongoing podcasts and related info. That's Popsicle Pod, P O P S K L P O D. Until next time, bon appetit. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.